Yes, that's right. We are live here. Star Trek Lower Decks with Live Long and Podcast coming at you. I am your host, Jeff, not Logical Mater, joined by joined with co-host Tadavan. We are ready to break down everything to do with Lower Decks here. And uh, this episode, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as last week's episode, but this one was really good. And we had a lot of great Klingon, Vulcan, Pac-led humor uh, for days. And I think we really got some great jokes in here and uh, and really had a fun with all the different species of kind of the OG species of Star Trek. Devin, uh, what are your first takeaways here with this episode, which is entitled, what's it entitled? Ur-Gem or something like that? It's Wes Klingon, Wes, isn't it? Wes Dudge. <laughs> Was Dudge? I'll have to look that up. Yeah, W E J capital D U J. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I got pretty excited when I realized they were just going to start bouncing around the galaxy and looking at lower decks. Well, not too far in the galaxy, I suppose. They all seem to be in the same sector. We come to realize, I guess here, but um, yeah, I like the premise of the episode. Yeah, the premise basically is, yeah, let's look at some Klingon Lower Decks, Vulcan Lower Decks. At the end credits, we get some Borg Lower Decks, which was pretty <laughs> funny. We get the Pac-Led Lower Decks, which is the entire ship, basically, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and then, of course, we get, you know, the Cerritos. Uh, yeah, so uh, which ones kind of stand out, out to you as some of the funnier jokes? Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the Vulcan stuff tonight. Yeah, me too. The Vulcan stuff was really funny. There were a couple of the, the Klingon things were funny too. Like they keep throwing in, well, un, you know, unless I die a glorious death, you know, you know, it'd be great if I could be captain, you know, I, you know, I, unless I can die a glorious death, which of course would be better. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like you want to go hang out with those Vulcans. Uh, can you imagine yeah. being those Pataks? <laughs> yeah. The logical choice. Why don't you shave your hair, your hair, and get a bowl cut? Join a science vessel. Yeah, that was pretty good. But yeah, all the Vulcan stuff was fun. well. You know what? Calm down, Jeff. You've lost control. Yeah, yeah. You, you are not thinking straight. Yeah, you're not <laughs> thinking. Yeah, you see, you're losing control. Yeah, it's like she's just doing more work and being uh, creative and innovative, and that that, <laughs> and that is not allowed. Yeah, working on shield uh, technologies and. Yeah, Talin. Talin is that the character's name? Uh, yeah, Tal- yeah, that's the uh, Vulcan. That's the Vulcan girl's name, who I think yeah. I would imagine is going to like join our crew at some point. I think they're going to make her some sort of a, a mainish character. So I thought kinda... it was going to happen in the end credits. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I think it'll happen at in the next episode. I hope so. I like that character. Um. Yeah, I'll be disappointed if they don't follow up with that. I mean, she's obviously going into Starfleet, but hopefully it's the Cerritos. Yeah, so Talin, played by Gabriel Ruiz. I actually thought that for for like, throughout the episode, I was like, I thought it was uh, Mariner's voice actor doing Talin's voice, hmm. but it's not. I kept thinking because they're so similar in a lot of ways in like their tropes and and uh, you know she was like the Vulcan Mariner in a lot of ways. Oh, for sure. I mean, just a. Uh unhinged i'm hinged. <laughs> not thinking straight going too far no yeah yes uh and, and we did flying have the, off the hand 
And we did have the mother-daughter stuff tonight with Mariner and Freeman. So I thought a lot of that stuff kind of was almost mirroring each other with the, with the Vulcan uh, uh, ship here, which, uh, again, is like a science vessel. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the way they frame everything here, too. Like, you know, they go to the Vulcan. Yeah, it exactly looks like that. Um, the way they frame everything, kind of, it's really starting to remind me of, like, Marvel. Like, are you getting like a lot of Marvel vibes? The way lower decks boom, and it shows you like the Vulcan ship, and then, and then, uh, tonight I just got a this lot of what if, for sure. yeah, a lot of what if vibes. Did you? Yeah, yeah. What if also like kind of the way they filmed the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, where they did a lot of that, like because like you know, you're on Vormir, you're on, you know, all these different planets. The way, um, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's high production values. I mean, yeah, really good. So I thought tonight was the most yeah production value for an episode that I think we've seen. Uh, you know, I thought last week's was was quite a bit with all the different holodeck stuff, but this was the most they've done with ships and a ship battle. I don't think we've seen mm. a ship battle on this show the way they did tonight. And I, and I think yeah. yeah, I think that stuff's important. I noticed the ships looking really good in this episode too, and. The Cerritos kind of must have been from the Klingon perspective comes uh, into view and it has all the multicolored lights around it, which I found interesting. It has like very multicolored lights around uh, the saucer section. Yes. Yeah, it does. It looks it looked really good. Like I thought I mm. think that stuff's really important to drag you into a crew and, a, and all, all the tropes that they showed you tonight, even though this is a comedy show, they kind of. Are, they're grounding it more in some dra uh, dramatic effect here with uh, some of the, the ship battles, which I think kind of um, gives it stakes and is kind of what makes Star Trek Star Trek in a lot of different episodes. And every time they run into the pack like, Yes. The, the phasers fire. It's red repeaters. alarm. Yeah, red, red alarm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> we tested your your explosive device out, but then it broke. You can only use it once. It was a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great joke. <laughs> it reminds me of the old um, Looney Tunes Daffy Duck trick you can only do once. Yes. I remember that one. That was one of my favorite uh, ones from Looney Tunes. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, I also really enjoyed tonight the whole pottery scene with, with Shax and Rutherford and Boyd. Oh, that was amazing. Was Did you learn how to do that on Bajor? <laughs> what? Don't mention Do we, do we not talk about Bajor? Or... <laughs> He's just like waiting for the next Shax thing. Like He was just like, oh, what, like what is it this time? Like, He's like the never-ending bonfire of rage, and you'll bury it into the clay. Get in there, you little rage, you. <laughs> Rather, oh uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. No, no, oh yeah, no. Papa Bear, put it in the clay. Put it in the clay. <laughs> I love their relationship. Shax and Rutherford are really getting a, a yeah, lot of kind of yeah. relationship. Time. I love how he's holding him back. He's got them two yeah. broken potters. <laughs> Oh, that was another great Shaxman line for sure. You think you can? I had time to do anything but resist. <laughs> yeah, fighting fascism is a full-time job. 
<laughs> he, he has so much yeah. like Kira in him. Like whenever Kira would just get pissed off, like yeah. it, you just get a lot of those Kira. Season tropes. one Kira. Yeah, yeah season yeah. one Kira. Amplified <laughs> to eleven. Yeah. Um, He's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, also, with the Klingon captain and his protege, this whole storyline was also really good in this episode tonight too. Uh oh oh yeah. Like, he calls it right away. He's like, I could be captain. You know, it'd be it just it makes logical sense. That's right, but like and they do all the tropes with the Klingons too, like where like he literally captain literally walks in the room and like a, a knife comes at him and misses him and then he's like, Ah, oh, it's on and then he like stabs the one guy or whatever. And that's like yeah. kinda like very much what the Klingons do, it's just like killing each other for pointless reasons. And, and the classic Klingon line, get that thing off my bridge, I don't want to smell its stench. Yeah. Like they <laughs> stay, like, as soon as I kill somebody, they're always like, get this stinking thing out of here. Like, <laughs> and they, yeah, it just takes like forever like to actually pull the body off, like which they never show you in like any other actual show. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's uh, kind of uh, there a thing on Bird of Prey as well. Yep. Bird of Prey. So yeah. You have um, you got all the the sh- do you have a Cerritos? No, they haven't made one of those. <laughs> no, in this. One of those. <laughs> no, these. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, I liked that Klingon storyline. Um, I liked the joke about the uh, the red and sort of pink blood. Yes, yes. Because uh, uh, yeah, they definitely show that the the Klingon blood is a uh, different color, like it used to be in the movies, which I always thought. They yeah, an undiscovered kept. country. It was like that purple color. Yeah, and they should have kept it like that. I thought I was like there was no like. Yeah, they know. didn't seem to right because Worf always bleeds red. Right, yeah. and and I think it was just because you know money or something they didn't want to have to do it, but uh, it's easier to do uh, green blood, I suppose, for for Romulan. Uh, but I don't know. I always thought it was really good. I think they should keep it. Uh, maybe that's the one thing mm-hmm. I agree with Dave about canon uh, here <laughs> with uh, the lower decks. Um. Okay. Oh, also, Dave, or uh, oh, yeah. oh, Jeff, I should say. Yes. You're not Dave. Nope. <laughs> I'm not Dave. Um, you could change places with him right now, and you would be on vacation. Oh no, Saturday. Uh, um, <laughs> oh yeah, I know. No. Um, will you be my bridge buddy? I could be your bridge buddy. All right. Great. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to say. I'm the lower decks of this podcast right now. So oh, right, right. Well, buddy. yes, that's that's true. You're gonna well, you will you climb your you, um, El Capitan with me? Oh, <laughs> I'm having I'm having Captain time. You're having Captain time. <laughs> no, no, she said, no. She says I'm I'm with the captain. <laughs> I'm with the captain. So. Today. Yeah, th- yeah. So the, the whole thing with Boimler in this episode is that he's trying very hard to fit in with the the upper crews, kind of like yeah, you're saying here, Devin, with us here, but no need here over at the Logan Podcast. You are uh, <laughs> already fitting in seamlessly, and uh, but Boimler has those insecurities here about you know just getting ahead, and uh, you know he's he's trying to find whatever bridge crew member he can kind of bond with so so yeah we get the the scene here with with uh Kayshawn. yeah with, 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 with all they had left like they had they had them all claimed pretty much except for occasion 
For, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but we, yeah, we do the Tiana. Tiana is doing El Capitan. We have yeah, uh, Mariner and Freeman are doing the uh, the game in the holodeck, which uh, I believe, isn't this the same game that Janeway played with Seven all the time? Well, Velocity is it? No, is that what it's called? Something like that. Yeah, I think that's the game they're playing, uh, which is a lot of fun. And then, uh, am I missing one of the, the the tropes with Boimler? Does he try to? Yeah, I guess with the yeah the pottery with shacks that doesn't go well. <laughs> and no. then, uh, and then he ends up going into the the turbo lift, and then Ransom's in there. Oh, the, oh I forgot about that. Yeah. With the a Hawaii few other characters, event. yeah, and it's all about going to hang out in Hawaii because that's where Ransom claims to be from, but Hawaii. he's not. <laughs> You're from Hawaii too, yeah. <laughs> and it just so you it, miss it, the it, islands, it, right? It, you, if you're from Hawaii, you miss the islands. This is a great commentary, Davin, on oh, like Jamil how... says add me. Oh, oh, there he is. I didn't see him. <laughs> yes! <laughs> how long have you how long have you been? Hey Jamil. <laughs> <laughs> Not too long. Um, but longer than you think. Okay. <laughs> I didn't notice you. It will be a great honor to talk about this episode with you all. Yeah. Of the greatest, greatest honor, but a great honor nonetheless. Jamil, not calm dying down. in glorious death, glorious, but you know. <laughs> Jamil, calm down. You're not acting logically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're out of control, Jamil. Out of control. Uh, Jamil, first thoughts Take on this episode. Two days and meditate. Meditate for two days. Get yourself together. <laughs> Jamil, what did you think of this episode? Like, what stands out for you? Uh, I am I am not bearing the lead. This is my favorite episode. This is getting a ten from me. Okay, it's a great episode. It is it, an excellent episode. It hits all of the quadrants that I'm looking for. It is a great story about many of the characters on the episode. It expands the lore of Star Trek in general, and also it is a fantastic story that. Uh, is a combination of a lot of the plot points we've seen throughout the season. This is a great episode. I don't care. Uh, it is a great episode. Uh, I really enjoyed it because I think they really balanced um, a whole bunch of different storylines very, very well in this episode. It wasn't just one like A storyline, one B storyline. It was kind of all one A storyline, and they just kind of balanced them, juggled those very well, which Star Trek doesn't usually always do, but when they do do it, you know it's a good episode. Um here, okay, we were just talking, um, J- uh, Jamil, a little bit about Hawaii, uh, yeah, Hawaii, Hawaii and <laughs> uh, and uh, boy, am I trying to fit in with Ransom? And I mean, I'm sure you work in an office setting, I'm sure you see this all the time where people suck up to superiors and lie about who they are or what they're into just to seem like they're getting ahead, but it never really quite works out that way, now does it? You have a Simpsons sticker on your computer? Oh, wow. I watched The Simpsons, too. Remember that time when Homer went to Moe's and had a drink? And there was that that flaming Moe's episode? Right. That was that was a good one. You see it all the time. You yeah. It the time. It's a common trope. I feel like this show really uh, speaks to people that work in offices uh, almost more than anything. Uh, it just in that sort of idea of uh, uh, labor and economics and kind of speaks to how people kind of be, can be fake and can, and, or, and get kind of get punished for the wrong things. Like we have here with this new Vulcan character, uh, Jamil, 
Uh, what was her name again, Davin? Talin. Uh, Talin. Uh, she is getting chastised for not embracing her religion enough, working while when, you know, it's not logical the way she's, you know, kind of a workaholic and it is kind of overstepping her bounds. I would, I, I guess, and people, everyone else looks at her uh, in almost a jealous way, but also I think uh, uh contemptive way. What are your impressions of Talent? She's a hotshot maverick in Vulcan culture, more <laughs> yes. or less. And they all see it. It's, it's a, we've seen this trope so many times where everyone is more clear cut and not necessarily superior, but superior in terms of playing by the rules. Like um, Iceman was the better pure flyer than Maverick, but Maverick was who he was and his ability to to kind of buck the norm was his greatest asset, which he leaned into, right? So at the end, you saw the value of uh, Maverick in Top Gun, right? But um, this story doesn't necessarily follow the the Top Gun storyline to a T, and we obviously see Talyn, um be shipped off to another ship. Um, so I assume we're going to see more of her. Yeah. Um, is she going to join the Ritos? If what we're calling it now, the Ritos. That's, yeah, I like that's, that T-shirt. That's uh, making fun of everybody that wears those disco shirts. <laughs> yes, yeah. Ritos. It's like it's not disco. Disco, disco. You want to go disco? <laughs> disco American. Yes, let's go disco music. Disco music. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay, I stoop your mother two more times, and then we go disco. <laughs> oh gosh um okay so uh, we also have the, the klingon storyline here jabeel which is really good with um everything that's going on with kashan and the older uh klingon captain uh do you do you like this dynamic that the klingons they kind of go into all the tropes of you know the 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 captain must fight and kill someone to prove he's worthy to lead these men, and then then he is reckless, and Kayshawn has to like take matters into his own hands, and then he has to kill the captain, and then he becomes he takes over, and everything that goes on with the Klingons here. Uh, well, what did you make of that? When you think of Klingon culture, the a captain is a captain not just because he is strong and powerful, uh, but he also commands the respect of his crew. Yeah. which is necessary in any type of military um, structure itself. So in some respects, the Klingon, uh, the Klingon hierarchy kind of ensures that you have at least competent, uh, <laughs> competent leadership, unless they're like the Duras family and, you know, a bunch of cunning, you know, uh, Romulan lovers. Yeah, Romulan lovers who are more deceitful. <laughs> and you can kind of see the captain in this uh, case uh, kind of dip his toes in that type of manipulation and non-Klingon uh, actions and procedures of uh, empowering the Paclids, which, if you think about it, Captain Tog wasn't that good of a leader if his first officer was doing all of this under his nose. Uh, so... Uh, um, yeah. I have to say that that things turned out for the better, uh, but Boimler is not going to be able to to uh, fight Captain Freeman 
and become captain of the starship. So um, there's a Season lot of more three. work. <laughs> Season three. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of wish that they had like the um, the work study um, that they did with uh, Star Trek, where uh, uh, TNG, where Riker was on the Klingon ship and the Klingon first officer was on Enterprise. Um, that was a good one. Uh, maybe we could see something like that, but um, Talil being gone is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed. Going to show up at the end. I was so, so surprised. So surprised. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised too. Uh, I also really enjoyed this Klingon captain that gets killed here in this episode. I thought he was really funny. A lot of his jokes, especially with the pack leads, which we could talk about quick here. Um, you know, Who voiced maybe... him? He sounded familiar. He sounded like um, Shona from The Last Dragon. So the, the, the guy who was doing the Klingon captain? Yeah. Yeah. It was a guy named Robin Downs. Oh, okay. I believe. Well, what what was the Klingon's name? Did he have a name tonight? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they said it. Because Kayshawn was the younger guy. but the, No, Kayshawn's the, the uh, guy on the Cerritos. The, the oh, Marian sorry. Vet. Vendome? Who was Vendome? That that was a Pac-Led, right? We have a Pac-Led voice actor here named Rich Fulcher. He does the, the main Pac-Led. Uh, but a lot of the voice... Oh, Mock. John Curry. John Curry did the voice. That's who did it. So, And he is from Avatar, Independence Day. Uh, like he dropped a little uh, Battle of Rock to Kill Brat. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, he's a relatively unknown guy. I think. I think he's he works in the music departments and stuff, and a whole bunch of different things. So, oh, I'm, and then we have Col- Colton Dunn did the captain. Sorry tonight, Captain Dork. Oh. That was his name. I'm looking up Robert Downs, and this dude is he loves playing a bad guy. Oh, okay. Is, yeah, yeah. And, and he, uh, uh, Colton Dunn, who plays the captain of the Klingons, his name he is known for Key and Peel. Okay, so that makes sense. It makes sense that he would invoke um he would invoke Shonuff for sure. Yeah. Uh so we have a lot of um uh, the, yeah, so I really enjoyed it, especially when he first goes onto the Packled ship and the Packled guy's just like, Welcome, I am Packled. Welcome to the ship, Packled. <laughs> the ship Packled, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he's just like dealing with complete idiots, which what happens a lot on Star Trek, where it's just like these two species don't do not uh, speak the same language whatsoever. And it's like, we tested out your bomb. And it's like, you can't. And it didn't work after that. And you say, it doesn't work after you. It's a bomb. <laughs> you can't test it. Which um, that bomb being um, used was what caused the readings that the Vulcan ship was picking up, um, which led for them to actually show up. So if it wasn't for their, their stupidity, they might have succeeded in the day. Yes, Classic one Peruvian in. bomb is enough. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, Davin, uh, with with this whole <laughs> Pac-Led Klingon relationship, do you hope we get more of this in the future? The, the Pac-Led Klingon relationship. Well, if it takes that relationship to keep the Pac-Leds a like a viable threat to the Federation, then I'm all for it because I like having them show up every now and then. They're usually pretty funny. And it's just it's just a different foil for the main ship. It's not always Klingons and Romulans. 
Yeah. Uh, well, it it's is world funny building, story. you know. There's a lot of world yeah. building in this episode. Yes. You can do a lot in 20 minutes. Yeah, and they they, and they haven't really done a lot of this, in, you know, since the start of the show. This is this this episode really stands out as far as like for me, the show kind of finding its legs. And and I think you're right, Jabil. Like the first season, it's usually a write off of how a show needs to kind of find its legs, especially when it comes to Star Trek. Like they just need like like they need just to get through it. And like you'll have some laughs along the way, but you just have to trust that like this show's gonna find its legs. And I think it really is starting to to get there. Yeah. I think that any Star Trek show um should have a mandate saying we need a two season order. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh we, we gotta <laughs> well you would want for seven, but at least two air on your major network stating, you know, this is the reason why. Uh it, it takes a while. Um, any show, any show. If you watch any show, it doesn't matter. Um, first season is a lot of world building and a lot of figuring out exactly who these characters are. The writers are learning about these characters just as quickly as the audience is. And once they have that established, they can actually start going forward and providing um, great storylines. I, I don't care what show it is. Every show, right? needs time to find its legs and then hit its stride right not every show is 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 100 out of the gates unless no, you're battlestar galactica there is one show that i believe a commenter. Ah, i gotta disagree with the movie i gotta disagree with the movie there there is a uh show a commenter that we have here it's sam he says i got a good name for your uh guys gilligan island podcast when we get around to it he says, sit back, relax, and grab a coconut podcast. I think once uh, uh, Dave gets back. You're not going to call it Hawaii? Hawaii. Hawaii. Or, Hawaii. Uh, I think once Dave gets back, guys, uh, there might be uh, some negotiations for a new Ted Trek to maybe uh, look at Gilligan's Island. That, that My dad, I think, would be very into such a thing. So I, I think that, that I should would, be the next thing. I would only join for the Harlem Glo- Globetrotter episodes. <laughs> right. Did they end they up actually, on the island? Yes, they did. There was actually going to be a spinoff. Harlem Globetrotters. Did, did, <laughs> did the Washington Generals like land on the other side of the island or something? And then... <laughs> did the, the Washington Generals foil their plans to leave the island? Yeah. They built the this awesome finally win. <laughs> the generals finally win. <laughs> um, well, Sam, we'll uh, let Dave know, um, which is our um, our our pod father, right? Um, concerning the Super Mater Brothers and uh, Live Long podcast uh, things, and uh, ongo- uh, there's ongoing um, ongoing uh, negotiations regarding the Gilligan's Islands things. I just cross the D's and dot us mice. I think he's the admiral of uh, of the podcasting network here, Jabil. He. He's he's um, <laughs> drunk with, uh, uh, you know, power when he has it. He doesn't have it. It's uh, he's planning a coup like in Paradise Lost that we covered over on Live Long a podcast uh, with uh, with uh, Deep Space Nine at nine ish. We did on Tuesday. Watch that. Dollar. I remember Dave when he was just a mere red squatter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so proud at committing treason. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. No, but the ultimate Harlem Globetrotters line was from Krusty the Clown. I thought the generals were due, and he bet like all his money on the general. 
Sam also mm-hmm. says there's also a movie called Rescue from Gilligan. Uh, I think it's Gilligan's Gilligan. uh, Island. Did they get rescued? <laughs> well, didn't they? I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't really watch too much. Yeah, it was before, but, way before my time. Uh, my dad loves that show, though. It's, I heard a lot about it. My favorite Gilligan's Island throwback joke was, and I think um, Frankie Avalon and Annette Felicetto's uh, Return to the Beach movie, which I think happened in the early 90s, late 80s. And um, Gilligan from Gilligan's Islands appeared um, in uh, a cameo and some... Um, PYT was um, hitting on him and they were going to hook up. And then the skipper came and said, we got one more job to do. <laughs> Meet me in the boat. It's only going to take a three hours. And he's like, you always say it takes three hours. And that was it. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> uh, with Gilligan's Island, it's uh, they made a lot of those episodes. This was like a like, number one show for a long time. There, there was a lot of number one shows and the reason why was because there were like what eight channels so yes. once you hit it and you have success for a period of time for like six years that is that is big business in comparison to now where uh you have a squid game that is in the zeitgeist for maybe two three months and that's considered a smashing success yeah, and now it's like if you get like you know a thousand people to watch your show, it's like you're doing something right, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's a complete reverse now. Um, Jeremy uh, chiming, he says he hope he doesn't miss what uh, he didn't miss much. Um, no, we're just getting started here over on lower decks. Are us? We've uh, barely begun. We've barely <laughs> begun, and you know we can't explode that bomb twice. Um, okay. Oh. So- so may, may ask, would you prefer to see more of an episode like this, or is it a one and done where you don't want to kind of ruin this gimmick? It it, it was great for an episode, but if they do it too soon, then it might be a, a waste. I wouldn't overdo it. Okay. See, yeah. I I kind of have the opposite opinion. I think they should do this more. I think I think we get tired of the four characters of Rutherford. Uh, Tendi, uh, Be- Bo- uh, Mariner, Bo- and Boimler. <laughs> okay. I, I, for me, it's like I would rather them make world build, give us more a chance to look at other characters throughout episodes whenever they want. Where you know, so that, for me, I actually really enjoy this. I think they should do this more because I kind of get, I think it gets stale a little bit showing the Federation ship over and over. What you would like to see what the dynamics are with the Klingon Bird of Prey now that yeah. Alora Decker is now the captain. What is the relationship between um, um, the new captain and the Lower Deckers now? Is he telling them to clean out uh, the barrel, um, you know, for worms and refill my 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 cup of blood wine? Walk my this dog. Episode, this episode will be a lot better if. Uh, this all pays off too. Like Talin shows yeah. up on the, the Ritos and yes, uh, they come into contact with this Klingon crew again. Be nice if it just all comes back. So around. not necessarily, not necessarily do an episode where we we split it between four different or three different narratives. Yeah. Like, but if yeah. the um, the characters that were introduced in this episode come back and interact, maybe in separate episodes. Then, yeah, I I, I will like agree. I will agree. I, I don't necessarily want to see an episode like this. If this gimmick, and I will say it's a gimmick, 
is used overused then that's more of a testament that they had lightning in a bottle and you know that was the only thing they had <laughs> they, they found their gimmick and they just reused it over and over um it needs to be sparingly used so it seems more special like in two seasons we get another one of these and it's yeah. totally different or they do a spin on it that would be i i would see i would say that's interesting if q showed up in every episode <laughs> we would hate q <laughs> so q is the lamest <laughs> character right make him special I understand what you guys are saying. Uh, for me, I kind of just appreciate that that, that that they're willing to world build a little bit more because I do find um, that with Star Trek, they do need to do that a lot more a lot of the times because, I mean, how much we know way, way more about the Federation just in general than any other thing, you know? And and sometimes, like, I'm like, I just want to learn a little bit more about the alien cultures, this is star trek and i and i we only ever see it from the federation perspective this show is allowing us to see things more okay. from another alien culture's perspective which i i enjoy uh davin what do you think of that yeah i'm i'm, I'm convinced uh i've i've thought that several times myself that been and it it's always enjoyable those nuggets that we do get from these other cultures and things like in D you, DS9, for example, you get a lot of that was like Cardassians and Ferengi. And it's nice to like get these insights into these other cultures. Yeah. And now how to, how best to do that is, is I guess the question. So but, if you got war, so more, more building is never bad. Yeah. If you got one off episodes where Boimler is doing a work study on a different ship, um, you know, and we don't get it from Boimler's point of view, but we get it from the person on the the ship that he's studying from's point of view. I think that would be interesting and kind of fulfill one that Boimler's still technically the main character, but he's not the the POV that we are right. are following. Yet but, at the same time, we're getting uh, a non Federation perspective on what's occurring. Which is exactly what I think they're doing. They're setting up in this episode, Jamil. I think they're doing that with... They're going to have episodes with Talin. They're going to have episodes with... Uh, is his name Coacher? Or his name? Uh, one sec. It is... Yeah, uh, Kayshawn. Sorry. No, it's... Uh, what's the, the younger... Mock? Is that his name? Or what? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Mock. Yeah, the younger Klingon guy. Um I think they're going to have an episode with him. I think they're going to do a lot more pack led stuff. I think like all this kind of world building and, and, and they, yes, they can use the Cerritos characters and pop them in there. But I, but I would love, I love, um, that's why I love the Vulcan stuff so much tonight guys, because we got to see uh, a story from like her point of view that was yes, connected to our general story, but it, it really gives insight into like what the Vulcans are like. Uh, there's that ship that uh, exactly like that, you know. Uh, is is that? I love those warp rings that they have in these Vulcan ships. I've always loved the design of the Vulcan ships. Yeah, they're very cool. Uh, I think they they might have the most unique looking ship uh, of all of them. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> always good when that happens. Yeah, always good. <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the the Vulcans here because I think some of the jokes that they they pull in here are fantastic. Like she's literally just working hard a lot of the time to like calm down, like you know, like you are overreacting, and it's just like she's like, "Well, I reprogrammed this to do it even better," and they're like, "But that's not 
logical. <laughs> like, you know, and all the stuff that they're doing, to, they're saying to her. And uh, go to your room and meditate. She's like, no, I'm almost done my 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 work. She's like, you're acting like a child. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, a lot of fun on those lower decks in the Vulcan ships. Yeah, they, they seem to really laugh it up. There's no Hawaiian um, Mai Tais being being enjoyed, though. Right? None. None. Okay. And the Klingon ship is all about... i coffee and pineapples. <laughs> um, so Talit is played by Gabio Ruiz. Right. Um, who is... If she, like... If she becomes a main character on the show, I will be extremely happy um, because... Too. Um, I am a big fan of her from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, cool. She is a talented actress, and I'm, yeah, I'm so happy. Um, yeah. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Thank you. Thank good. you. She she was so good. Um, mm-hmm. She was so good. Uh, just I thought she was actually voiced originally throughout this episode. I said to Dev and earlier, Jamil, that I thought it was the... Uh, Tawny Newsome, the the one that does Mariner, uh, but like because they they are very similar in not only their character but their voice. I found was very similar as well in the way they sounded as the character. Uh, do you think that's intentional that they are trying to make her seem a lot like Mariner, like as an alpha? Uh, yeah, and like a renegade a little bit in her culture, like e- e- even like. Uh, Mariner is very much like so, a renegade, and I think in this Vulcan s- scenario, uh, uh, to Lynn is definitely coming across to them anyway, to the other Vulcans as as a renegade, out of control, out of control, yeah, out of... needs to be <laughs> your child. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm I'm just oh yeah, give me give me a, appreciate the. Uh... Call back to the mountain climbing rocket boots. Yes. Yes. yes from uh, Star Trek The Final Frontier, <laughs> which uh, Spock was using. In this episode, we have uh, Boimler doing it. And yeah, I love the t shirt. And the t shirt. You go climb a rock, it says on his, on his shirt. <laughs> well, he's trying to fit in here with um, Tiana and Tendi. Uh, they're smart though. They're climbing. They're not free soloing it like Alex Honnold did, uh, and Captain Kirk, which made no sense by the way. Captain Kirk and his body type that that Shatner had in 1988 or whatever it was <laughs> was never going to be able to free solo El Capitan. It was the most ridiculous scene for that reason alone. Um, but here Fast. they're using ropes because uh, they're not. Say they're on a holodeck, like, like you know what I mean, and they could be free soloing and get away with it because they turn <laughs> the safety parameters on, they'll be fine. Um, but no, they're being smart. But who knows if it's on actually on or not? We have a comment here Vulcans would find Mariner irritating, I'm sure. Yes, no, I don't think they would like her. It's funny that we don't have a really yeah, Vulcan yeah. character here on, on the on the Ritos, as it were. We I, will now. I think we will now. I think uh, Talyn will be joining. So if Lower Ritos, decks need to shake up. Ritos is going to be a thing. Oh, I, Ritos. Uh, yep. It's Ritos like Voy. It's like Voy. 
It's like Boy. it's like disco. Envoy. Really Envoy. saves time. Yeah, it saves time. time. It's true because voy a jur. I mean, three syllables. That's yeah, it's a lot. Sir Ritos, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, they, did Ito. we knight the Ritos? Like Sir Ritos, come on. Yeah. Um. So just a heads up. Uh, today, uh, I introduced this to Jeff. Um, yesterday, I should say, and um, the company that makes the uh, Lower Decks um series, uh, Titmouse, yeah. amazing animation company that's done shows like uh, uh Venture Brothers, most notable, uh, notably, rest in peace, um, Black Dynamite. Um, th- they're a wonderful animation studio. So, one thing that they do with um, shows that they oh, see, perfect timing. One thing that they do is each episode, they release a, a T-shirt that's dedicated to the episode and kind of is like an inner um, reference to it. Uh, so uh, the episode for today's episode, just the shirt for this episode, has just been released, which is called Three Ships. And you see the um, the size diagrams of the um, of three different ships. And I think it is the Bird of Prey, the Vulcan ship, and the Pac-Led ship. Yep. How is it not the Rito shirt? Well, because <laughs> I yeah, think I know, I, right? you know what, honestly, don't make I that think anyway. CBS is making <laughs> yeah. that anyways, so yeah. they just like that's. It was either going to be that or go uh, climb a rock. So I think they <laughs> went with the design. <laughs> I would strongly uh, suggest any fans to go back and um, pick up these shirts um, um, if they have a chance before they sell out. They make a limited amount in a variety of sizes from um, our more. Um, uh, uh, demure um, Star Trek fans to our more hefty ones, I will say. So there are sizes available, so go check it out. Um, my favorite is, and I already showed it to um, to Jeff, which is um, just one row below to the far end right. Uh, yes, sorry, this one? one? Yes. The, pre- the pink one? Yes. Yeah, that one is pretty cool. All right. You can click on and kind of see exactly what it's talking about it's with formula, and I think it's a fantastic design. Um, and the two boimlers on a ship. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful shirt. You don't really get that many good pastel pink shirts. Um, I'm representing with the one I already have currently in my uh, wardrobe, and I think that you all should add this one to it as well. Is that so Bradward and William? Yes, <laughs> yeah, only 20 bucks, so not too bad. Yes, pretty mm-hmm. affordable. Um, and they all look cool because they're all different colors, not all like a white t shirt. They, they, mm. they look like good shirts, and so I think check that out, guys, if uh, you're looking for some cool geek gear. Yep, just type in Titmouse. Uh, don't worry, it won't set off any um, any um, parent parental fil- filters, you'll be good. Yes. <laughs> uh, Titmousestuff.com. Yes, so check that out. Uh, thank you, Jamil. Uh, okay, so back to the episode. Uh, we we, let's talk a little bit about Shax trying to find some um, some peace here tonight, Jamil and Davin. I uh, was talking to Davin about it earlier, but we're bringing, we'll ask you, Jamil. Do you don't bring up Bajor in front of Shax when he's doing pottery? That's you what don't. I learned tonight. You just no. don't. You don't. You don't. And Who it makes knew? sense. But it makes sense. Perfectly, perfect sense for him to to still have, you know, PTSD about his time in Bajor fighting with the resistance, right? Um, he's kind of separated himself from that, um, yet it's still a big part of his 
his past that he's still dealing with. And maybe we do get a, you know, a Rutherford um, Shacks episode where they go to Bajor and um, he meets the prophets. <laughs> that would be a great episode. That would be great. Yeah. It, like, yeah. like all this world building right then and there, like this little scene could pay off in a, a separate individual episode. Absolutely. I think with, I mean, yeah, I, you guys know I love Shax. He's my favorite character on this show. Every time he's on screen, my face lights up. Uh, I, he looks to be making just a, a giant penis at the beginning. I don't know what he's doing. He's very focused on it, though. Focusing rage. <laughs> so you're saying he wants to beat that phallic symbol? I think, I think, yeah. He, it, it was the height to... of his rage. <laughs> it's, it's even that, or he's trying so to make it taller than everyone else's. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Get way they shoot it too. When, when when Boimler runs out of of the room, once he breaks the pottery and he like runs <laughs> Boimler, they like turn the, they do the Dutch angle thing and they turn the the camera. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it really worked. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and then we go to the Klingon ship where the, the Klingons are eating and feasting like they always do. And a Targ is uh, trying to grab, like, I don't even know what it is. It looks like a sock or something, like a sandbag. And uh, yeah, we have the, the whole Klingon scene here where they're, they're, it looks like they're eating octopus, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> What's going on with that, guys? Which, you know, seems it makes sense in terms of their dietary um, preferences, right? Like, that they would go and you know hunt a squid, you know, and eat it, or or um, still alive, uh, a, a meal that fights them. Just yeah, imagine yes. a meal that would fight them. Yeah, baby kraken. That sounds yeah. about right. Uh, yeah, it looks like it, the food that like, they they ate in an early TNG episode. There were two Klingons on the ship, and I think one of the things they would was called priviates or something like that. But yeah, they, it looked like that. They like things that are alive too. You're right, and they they I love they have a line in this episode. It's like, don't even talk about gawk. <laughs> this is no time for that. <laughs> um, where's where's the the gawk spaghetti? This is what I'm concerned with. Why has there has there not been commercialized Star Trek gawk spaghetti? Not shopping at the right store. <laughs> the vertebrae only has a crew of 12 how lower decks can you be i guess everyone is a lower decker except the captain on, on the bird of prey <laughs> well captain first officer and the first officer yeah i guess you're yeah. right and then everyone else is just you know there to, or, to, or to... this the fat senior yep. officer who's uh past his prime Gets and they, drunk and talks of glories long past, and they literally have that in this episode. Like yeah. they're very, they're very smart uh, <laughs> with this show. Uh, they know all the tropes that, that that Star Trek always pulls out. They always have like the younger guy that is you know trying to to do the Klingon way, but then you know revolts and then but it works out. Uh, you know, they have that trope as well in this episode. That, that fight scene was very impressive. Uh, one thing I always worry about with very hand-to-hand combat marsh like fight sequences is: Am I following the action? Does it logically make sense? Does it jump from like they're fighting one place and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're fighting in a different place? It doesn't have like a, a, a smooth transition. Transitions in this episode, fantastic. It was great. Everything made sense. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, did you notice that the older Klingon? 
a guy. He was kind of like their shacks. He had a, a um a discolored eye and a scar over his eye. It, it was pretty. He was pretty much the shacks of of the bird of prey. <laughs> yes. Which I don't <laughs> don't talk talk to me about um, glorious past. He takes out his his. <laughs> <laughs> he takes out his weapon and goes to stab him. Love it. And, and then he falls asleep <laughs> on top of him. <laughs> and the target starts licking his face, which is pretty <laughs> funny. There's some good um good gags here with the Klingons for sure. I uh, I like how he um the lower decker took care of the targ, and that's why the targ came to his aid. Yes. Right? So it made Did sense. They, uh... Yeah. Um, okay, so then we go to Talyn and and uh, Talyn's doing yes, uh, her, her, she's doing work while they're supposed she's supposed to be meditating. All the other Vulcans are annoyed. You can see it in their closed <laughs> eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and that other Vulcan, they just like that sounds like an insult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just just the banter between them is just so. It was good. It's passive aggressive that it's yeah. it's perfection. <laughs> yes, it's like you, you seem uncontrolled. She's like, I hope they notice. So, it's, you know, <laughs> you're right. It's also passive aggressive and is basically exactly what the Vulcans are. It's like containing your emotions, <laughs> holding them in, but unleashing it in like a really unhealthy way in a lot of ways. <laughs> I'd like to see her again to actually send them both to the Savitas. Yes. <laughs> yes, please, please. Yeah. I think we might even see the Klingon younger character. Maybe not come to the Cerritos, but definitely have interactions with the ship, uh, you know, in the near future. Yeah, and and it's not like the the Klingon himself was a fool, or you know, he had a, a head on him and understood what needed to be done so even though he was very ambitious he was and was going along with everything he voiced his displeasure and knew better and was being a good first officer respectfully you know um providing counsel to his captain not trying to dishonor him ever in in, in front of his other crew members until you know the captain was bringing dishonor to the entire crew themselves and he had to stand up it, it kind of reminds me of what, what we talked about over on Deep Space Nine at Nine-ish Davin with mm -hmm. the breakdown, uh, the Homefront and Paradise Lost episodes where we have a former first officer dealing with his old uh, senior officer and, you know, the whole lesson that he was trying to teach him. Where it's like, you you know, you voice your displeasure in private, but then when, when the time comes to follow orders, you do so. And Cisco doesn't buy that. He says, no, it's about, you know, you still have to assess what's right and what's wrong when you're in command. And we see that tonight with the Klingons. Uh, what do you think about that comparison? Yeah, good comparison. Um, <laughs> I could see... Mock as a Cisco type figure. Yes, Mock is a bit of a Cisco type figure, I think, uh, in the Klingon uh, trope of things. Mm. Okay, so then we get the whole pack led moment here, where yeah, so the the Klingons <laughs> beam over uh, the captain and Mock. Red alarm! Red, red alarm! <laughs> red alarm! Welcome to pack led. They have a very cool looking ship, the pack leds too. Guys. Mm. I actually really enjoyed the way their ship looked. Um. Klingon enhancements. Yeah. And we got all the jokes about the bombs and testing bombs and how stupid that is. And and, and then uh, so the, the Cerritos shows up 
and they start getting fired upon and we i get this great moment where all these people are coming from their their shore leave with it on the ship or whatever <laughs> like the people were like they were playing with like the the well i don't know what they're even called the 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 kind of the long sticks with the cushioned ends on them oh the um uh, yes the q-tips uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah we get the jitsu uh Ebuchitsu, yes, yes, and we get a uh, Shaq showing up with his uh, pottery gear on. We we get Boimler and Ransom. They get stuck. Uh, their their whole Hawaii vacation gets screwed up. Uh, I mean, Blue buddies. Vic- yeah, <laughs> the Victorian crew, the crew in Victoria, where um, the helmsman who seemingly was on some kind of snowy retreat. Um, because she was wearing like winter clothing. Um, it's like, how many holodecks do they have in this ship? Um, <laughs> it seems like a lot. Uh, yeah, Go it does those. seem like a lot. You're right. Like, usually, I felt like on like the, the Enterprise D, they only had like the one big one, and yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't remember, I'm wrong, maybe they had two, but even then, they well, you know, yeah, this Rito seems to have a lot, but this is a little bit more in the future, so maybe they. They built them in back then. I don't know. Wouldn't you like? Okay. Yeah. Like if if let's say we're we're talking about it post Voyager, wouldn't there be a, a holographic emitter in almost every single room, per se? So right, they can expand upon it, but it would be a huge power drain. Right, like yeah, mm-hmm. well, like but I could see like the yeah, the doctor trying to figure out a way when he came back to to make sure that wherever he went he could exist other than his hollow emitter. All doctors, all mm-hmm. EMHs, mm-hmm. equality for all the EMHs. I could see that definitely being a thing. Well, from uh, an emergency standpoint, if like hollow emitters would be not necessarily a, a system that you'd want to dedicate power to as opposed to the shields or life support. So having a portable emitter um, that the doctor had would make more sense in, you know, an emergency that you can just pop that onto your, your local EMH, right? Let's say your doctor died and it's like, okay, we need this EMH to be able to go down to the surface or, um, it, yeah. So, yeah, that's future technology, though, Jamil. They'd have to break the temporal prime directive to make those mass <laughs> mass produce those. That, that surely could not be canon. <laughs> <laughs> D- Dave is just itching somewhere. <laughs> he's like, "What's that?" It's the word in Mexico. Just going. Ugh. He's like, he's like the Klingon captain tonight. <laughs> um, we have a comment here. Eating live octopus can be dangerous. Sometimes they attach themselves to the inside of your airway with their suckers. People die. Yeah, that sounds like Klingons would like Klingon, that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, um, you did not properly kill your squid in your mouth. Yeah, that was a glorious You death. wait for it to try and kill you, and then you swallow it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I like that. Glory. <laughs> Um, yeah, so then, yeah, the Cerritos shows up and the, the Packled ship and the Klingon ship start firing upon it. Um, we quickly find out that the Cerritos is not a very good warship. Uh, not, not at all. Good, it's not a very good ship at all. It's California class. Nobody even knows who they exist. And uh, I, this was, to me, where, to me, Lower Decks is starting to step their game up. This battle scene tonight was fantastic. I think it looked a lot better than even some some 
Deep Space Nine battle scenes from back in the day. Like it looked really good. The animation was was really pretty to watch. Uh, Davin, did did you kind of feel that way with the the way they showed yeah, and the, the animation? And the torpedo sounded so good every time that Cerritos launched a torpedo. Oh, it's perfect. Okay, perfect I I have one complaint, mm-hmm. which is. And I think Star Trek fighting in general has this issue, and they show it sometimes, but not consistently. It's that sometimes the the ship just stands still and shoots, and then it's like, oh, maneuvers now, evasive <laughs> yeah. maneuvers. There should be constant movement, right? You would think there would be, yeah. Right. Regardless, uh, and yes, the, the the Defiant does showcase that a lot more often because it's supposed to be a more. Um, a move maneuverable nubile ship but at the same time you can't just stand there <laughs> like you're not a tank you can't just stand there and just get shot upon you're just like i'm just gonna stand in the middle just shoot everyone that makes no sense it should there should always be a sense of movement even mm-hmm. when it isn't like extreme maneuvers type of scenario i feel like they're gonna make a joke at that on the show at some point like the evasive maneuvers we were evading no we weren't actually we need to move or something like that they're gonna do something <laughs> like that but it's true to be like if you play like star trek online like you're always moving you mean yeah. you can't st- sit still but you'll get killed within seconds it's, it's a nonsensical approach to fighting unless you're a tank um, and the only star trek tank i can think of is um uh, we don't talk about um into darkness Oh, well, that's not even a, a board cube or a board cube. A board cube is a tank, right? A board, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a board cube makes sense. The into darkness yeah. ship was, uh, you know, was just a bigger starship, starship, yeah, but not canon, uh, in my book. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense to the to the whole, um reality of what's going on with uh, Star Trek ships in general. Um, I would say, I, I don't think I, we mentioned it to you. Uh, I don't think you're here yet, but I was saying to uh, Dav and Jamil, especially the battle scene, like the fight scene here between the, the Klingon captain and uh, uh, first officer reminded me a lot of what if uh, and the animation style that we get on what if. Uh, did you feel that way? Uh, did you feel a lot of Marvel vibes from tonight's episode? Well, Marvel and... So, I think that we have to understand that in in terms of North American animation, um, when it comes to designing fight sequences, it's going to be cribbed off of something else, right? So, you see a lot of the similar, same movements, like the concealed sword into an extended lunge is something that is repeated ad nauseum. You could probably find 200 examples. I have one um in my head alone um but that is from uh more that's from anime per se and is old enough that it could have been it, it could have been a reference that was used um if anyone has seen revolutionary girl utena uh, the movie um which most likely no one has <laughs> um uh, they have an exact sequence in terms of the concealed weapon going into a lunge facing the camera um but it's probably you can a lot of sequences you can probably go back to um was it um robin Hood the the old uh you know sword uh, swashbuckling uh film sequence uh like yes that movie is old as as ass 
but in terms of presenting action, it is clear. It is it tells this visual story that everyone can follow, and it is a perfect example that animators can take and translate to any type of sequence. So I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, Errol Flynn. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes back that distance. It's it's a, it, you you go back and even you pause anything and it's perfect in terms of showing body movement and telling a story. You know exactly where they are in the fight, who has the advantage, who has not. Um, so that is my answer to that question. Even Marvel, when when even yeah. they're doing their their choreography. It's based off of something else, most likely, not yeah. necessarily the comic book, but what is filmable, what is what can be used. And I go back to Robin Hood. Robin Hood is like an underrated example of 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 chemistry, um, choreography and fighting being displayed all in one storytelling, I should say. It also reminded me a little bit, especially when he stabs him, like that, that whole moment you talked about. It reminded me a lot of the Kill Bill Volume 1 stuff that was mm-hmm. done with the animation in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's just because it's, again, the Japanese influences, and they were obviously probably influenced by something as well when they made that. But yeah, it had a lot of that kind of vi- those vibes for me. Uh, Davin, does, do, do you kind of uh, see any of what Jamil's saying there about the Japanese animation influences, or are you into that kind of thing? Uh, well, I don't have too many anime references in my head. I can grab, that's for <laughs> okay. sure. But I, I totally, I totally get the uh, Robin Hood stuff you were throwing down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Like literally, and like those single... standard uh, fight sequence tropes that you we've seen yeah. throughout movie history and stuff. There are, like you say, there's a handful of them, or a, a good amount. But yeah, Robin Hood is people sleep on Robin Hood. Robin Hood is a great swashbuckling film that. Is underrated and people should go back and look at it. It's, it's a fantastic storytelling movie. Which what year is that from? Which one are we talking? About? Like Old, the 30s? like the sixties. Like is that what we're talking? No, about? No, I think older. Older, way even older. older. Wow. Yeah, it's black and white. Oh wow. Okay, I never watched. It. I have to check that. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So the Klingon ship, the you know, ends up leaving here because uh, after this fight scene. And so then we just get the Cerritos and the Vulcan ship just have, you know, their way with the Packlet ship. Blow a whole wing off the ship yeah. <laughs> as it floats away. And then the Packlet just run away. And then we have a great line from Shax. I have no idea what he says. He goes like, he pows his chest. I've, I think he's speaking Bajoran, but I have no idea what he says. I but... could... Hold on. Let me see if I can get it. Um, it's 1938 is... Um... Robin, oh, Hood. Robin Hood. Yep, and um, you keep talking. I will try my best to look it up right now. Okay. What he says. Uh, so we we, <laughs> we get um, we get Captain Freeman try, trying to figure out why the Klingons left. They didn't really get it, and Shax is apparently completely normal <laughs> when he's dealing with like like. <laughs> logistical things like he just goes like he's talking to Freeman he's like it's strange how they just left <laughs> it's like it's like <laughs> it's just like it's so weird like how his like demeanor will change when he actually has work to do and then when, he, when he's not working <laughs> he's like a crazy person I, lo- I love his character so much so the subtitles say unintelligible victory cry oh okay definitely Bajoran then 
Yeah. Something they used to yell in the resistance. <laughs> Don't talk about Bajor. Okay, so then we get after that we get the scene here with Talin where her captain says that she's he's reassigning her and she just goes I think you're making an error and they <laughs> they they kind of have this um back and forth here like passive aggressiveness about hot-headed ways and uh which is pretty funny <laughs> with i guess in the vulcan said she is a back talker she is she's not a she's not compliant at all with with what the Vulcans tell her to do. Um, and I think she's going to fit in great on, on on the Cerritos when she arrives, guys. What do you guys think? Yeah, she's like an ideal Starfleet officer. I, th- I think Mariner's going to hate her, right? Do we yeah, do uh, we anticipate that, that Mariner is not going to like her at first and then they're going to be like besties? I think they're going to be... Com- they're going to compete... Um, they're gonna, there's going to be a constant put back and forth, which is great for her to have like someone to spar with because it's been mostly boimler and boimler is not that type of character no boimler are like hanging out with talin more than uh mariner and mariner will get jealous again yeah yeah or it'll be mariner will will be hanging out with talin and boimler will get jealous it'll be there will be all sorts of different uh things they can do i think like yeah i think they do need to add another character into their mix because i think tendy's like was supposed to kind of be that character, but Tendy's Tendy, and we're just—I think we're just going to keep Tendy the way she is. <laughs> but of uh, course, you can't—you you can't let Jet into the group. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so then like, that's kind of how it ends here. With uh... all right, so then sorry, then he goes to the bar. Boomer goes to the bar, and then he's approached. He looks like Anthony Rapp, but he's not Anthony Rapp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if his character's name was Mark, I would appreciate it. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, from Rent. Um, and especially if he like, you know, talked like Mark in Rent, <laughs> Bohemian way. And he uh, had but, like a, a scarf. And he started. He got up on the bar and started dancing, and you know. La vie. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny if they had done something like that. That would have been yeah. great. But they didn't have time. And so then it goes to credits. He's just the duty officer kind of um, looking up to Boimler, which Boimler is not used to. He's the one trying to always look up. So I think you just have to realize that throughout time, you become the more like you get experience and then people end up start looking up to you. And that's just how life works. And you have to, that's just something you have to accept, uh, which I, I think is a nice way to end this episode. Um, do you guys kind of get that same sentiment? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Boimler, sir? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> um, I, uh, I, I think that um, we kind of see the, um, the relationship of Boimler and also um, Ransom as well. Um, he, he found his buddy. He found mm-hmm. his buddy. He might not realize it yet, but he actually has. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then we get the great gag here at the end of the episode, which I thought <laughs> such it was going to happen at some point, but no, it's just it's just the Borgs, and they just go lower decks Borg cube, and it's just I was them. staring at them all. I was just I thought one of them was going to just like you know open their eyes and then close them again like a fake gag or something 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 nothing. They just completely nothing. are in uh, what was it regeneration, 
and it's kind of like a, I liked it, but but I wish they had done some sort of a gag like that. Would have been fun. Uh, but that's it, I think, for this episode. Uh, if unless you guys have anything you feel I missed, no. Um, the name of the episode. Do you know what the name of the episode is? Yeah, it's like Urge Dumb, but it's like actually, if you look at the credits at the beginning, it's actually in Klingon text. Yep, and uh, do you know what it means? No, mm-hmm. what does it mean? Three ships. Oh, oh, okay. Which is why is the title of the T-shirt is called Three Ships. Oh, makes sense. And uh, yeah, Titmouse does the animation. I saw in the credits here at the end. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. Okay, so that makes sense that they're doing their own mm. shirts. So I get you know so. And that makes sense why they wouldn't do like a Rito shirt. Uh, they would rather use their their animation. Yeah. And uh, plus, I look. See, I'm gonna go to CBS.com store and see if they have a Rito shirt because I bet you they have one. They might have a Voy shirt. Now, That'd be too. quick. That would be very quick. They should be on top of their their stuff, in my opinion. Uh, let's see. <laughs> CBS store. Let's You're right, shit. though, uh, Devin, about the Cerritos ship here, where the colors around it are, yeah, definitely like almost like uh, rainbows. Uh, yeah, it's you know? pretty. Yeah, it's definitely pretty. I like definitely, the ship. It's a good ship. Yeah, definitely cool. I also like that the like they have the thing that connects the the deflector that connects the nacelles, but it's lower. It's you don't you don't usually see that on a ship mm. in Star Trek. So okay, there is no that I see so far, no Rito shirt. Check but again I, tomorrow. <laughs> maybe they have a choo choo shirt um, from first season. <laughs> choo choo party. Um, yeah, they have a Tom Paris um, commemorative plate shirt, as <laughs> well as commemorative plate sticker. Um, they have the Acid Rock um, Klingon Acid Rock shirt, as well. Um, what else? Ritos. Uh, Ritos. No Rito shirt yet. We also <laughs> they have cardboard. You guys cutout. gonna get Rito shirts? I think uh-huh. I might have to. I think it's also this shirt. I this might get... be a better shirt to get. It's a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, I might get a choo choo shirt. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna end up with a choo choo shirt. Yeah. It just—it's so weird, and <laughs> I just like how they've just built this kind of their own world. It's, yeah, I like it's it. pretty great. Yeah, definitely. Like any Star Trek show, you have to make your own, and at least like I think the most important thing with this show is that they're having fun. You know, like I think that that was what was really lost for me on Enterprise, and a little bit at the end of Voyager. Uh, I think they lost like the fun of not just like the writing, but like just kind of like the, the actors. You could just tell like there were it seemed like they were going through the motions a lot with those two shows by the end. And I think that's kind of like when you go back and you watch the Deep Space Nine or the TNG or even the original series episodes, you see the fun they had. I think when they made the show from from almost all aspects, you know, th- there's a, the energy is positive and it shows in the work. And I think we're getting that here with Lower Decks as well. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So we just have a few things to so plug Fox here. is fantastic in Enterprise. He he brings the humor. In. Yes. Yes. He, yes. He's heart. great. 
Uh, he, he's the one part of Enterprise where I go, where's more of this? Ah, you know, the rest of them, I think, are a little they have with the exception of the mirror universe. I think uh, that episode with the exception of that, I think most of the time everything is taken too seriously on that show. Way too uh, seriously, you know, and so that's kind of the problem for me and Voyager, too, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, but Voyager at least has episodes or moments or characters that that kind of fix that uh at certain points and sometimes the writing is just too good you can't ignore it uh but overall i think uh that this show akuchiboya yeah see that, uh, they're unintentionally funny voyager yes whereas this uh lower decks is really has been smart funny great references really knows what the show is uh is not leaning into too much family guy too much simpsons too much futurama they're not really leaning into one of those type of shows too too much they're kind of taking from everywhere and also but staying true to star trek at the same time which is really smart oh yeah. okay i think it's a tone thing for sure yeah uh okay i think we uh need to plug some things here guys uh so we have here on live long podcast we have uh, a variety of shows uh, coming up on Mondays, we have Ted Trek. That's returning after a two-week hiatus. Uh, I don't know what they're covering. I'm not on that show, but <laughs> if you like the original series, they do. They do literally do a shuffle. Uh, they only have a few episodes left, so I think tune three in. Or, three or so episodes left. Yeah, and, and uh, they're they're all doozies. So you know, stay tuned for those. Uh, uh, Tuesdays, I host. Uh, it, the very uh very good show deep Space nine at nine ish we are Great covering show. uh the, the, the our next episode is all about shakar and akira's love affair with shakar and it is the um uh, episode entitled crossfire that's what we'll be covering on tuesdays at nine uh Tell you about Shakar, he makes you like Beryl a lot more. That's he really, and that's sad. That's that's really sad. But Shakar was ne- never a favorite character of mine. Uh, it, what you know, Kira's relationships. I was like, just get, just get to Odo, please, just you know, like because that's when I think it actually makes sense. Um, oh, we have a comment here before uh, Paris and Jayway have baby lizards nearly never watched the show again yeah oh yeah when they turned into lizards yeah that's an infamous episode they made fun of that on lower decks too with yeah. the, in the tom paris episode so i mean how could you not um <laughs> okay and then on uh on you know, today we have lower decks so join us next week for the next lower decks episode i think it's the finale so that'll be a big one for us guys oh i won't oh. be here but you guys will be uh dave will be back the uh the admiral in chief uh and then we also have another uh channel called super Mater bros podcasting which we stream over uh on twitch and youtube and facebook like, the, like we do here with live long podcast but we cover survivor we, we did that uh yesterday we also cover uh marvel uh we do different uh different shows that we kind of pick everything that's non-star trek basically so we'll, we'll uh uh you know do marvel what ifs we'll do uh the serpent uh, netflix shows uh you know different t- things that come out that that we fancy uh we just cover and th- that's kind of what we like to do over on superman post podcasting uh th- nothing set except survivor right now uh, big brother is over so we are waiting for the next season of that so join us on wednesdays for for the survivor and 
uh, just to look out for us whenever we're covering anything Marvel, uh, especially right now, because that's what we're doing. Uh, we also have um, Trivial Debates. Oh, okay. Okay, we'll do Trivial Debates. Uh, that's coming up. A very special Halloween episode. Over, <laughs> very over. exciting and spooky. Very spooky. Uh, I I think Dave's going to be hosting, but that is not set yet. So once we get Dave, I'm sure Dave will have the graphic ready next week, uh, and we'll be plugging that. Uh, that that sounds very exciting. I think you guys will all enjoy that. Then we also have this man show, Davin Lacuters of Trek. There you go, Lacuters <laughs> of Trek. Yes. Davin, cybernetics. Yeah, what Our cybernetics episode is up. Uh, we have a Garrick supplemental episode coming down the pipe here soon. Got a lot it. of things going up on YouTube got here. It. We're going to have a writer's room segment that Jeff's going to take part of in. We got uh, the Trouble with Trivia segment coming up. Uh, some music from Dave and myself. Ooh. And uh, lots of good stuff happening over at Locutors. Locutors of Trek. Well, that sounds very exciting, Devin. I think everybody should give that a listen. Give uh, I think... If you like philosophical Star Trek conversations, do you like different formats of debates, trivia, Mm -hmm. Locutors of Trek is for you. Uh, We also have guys uh, to plug uh, on my nephew's uh, podcast. Let's talk about fighting games. That's uh, a show where he just talks about video fighting games like Mortal Kombat, like Street Fighter, like all the, the old classics and the new ones as well. He's really into it, and uh, his enthusiasm shows. So uh, you can find all of these podcasts wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, give those a listen, and uh, give us likes, subscribes to on this video and any other video that you watch of ours. It really, uh, we really appreciate it, and I think that would uh, that would really help us out. Um, anything else, guys? Hadouken. Anything else that you guys want to say before we sign off tonight? Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Okay. Choo-choo, Patty. I say you do not bring up Bajor. For all of us here at Live Long and Podcast, I have been your host, Jeff Not Logical Mater, joined by co-hosts to Davin and Jamil Robinson. (laughs) We say goodbye. Bye. Oh, thank you.